Hello, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and welcome to the Transporter Room, the Outsports podcast that's that goes at the intersections of sport, transness, science fiction, and other stuff. I'm glad you could join me today. And you're probably wondering, well, where's Don Ennis? Well, Don Ennis, our captain, my friend, our managing editor at Outsports, has stepped down this week. Dawn is stepping down from her role at Outsports to pursue two very interesting and exciting things in her career ahead. She has been teaching at the University of Hartford in Connecticut since 2019. She taught journalism, advertising, PR, news reporting, media literacy, podcasting, and sports journalism. She wants to take the next step forward, and this week she started that next step forward. She started grad school at the at University of Hartford this week. And she accepted an invitation from Forbes.com to write a column for its daily diversity, equality, and inclusion newsletter. She's been writing for Forbes for some time, but now to have a regular place in the Forbes family, that's a pretty big deal. And Dawn, we're going to miss you. But we're also going to hold your name with honor. For more than two years, Dawn ran the day-to-day editorial decision-making machinery here at Outsports, and she added to the legacy that Sid Ziegler and Jim Pazinski started 21 years ago and made it even better and put a good team around her. She said, quote, in her farewell, I will miss my daily contacts with incredible people I hired, Ken Schultz, Brian Bell, Carly Webb, Shelby Weldon, Alex Reimer, and our former colleague, Daniel Villarreal. I am fortunate that, like you, I can still read their amazing stories. I count them all as friends and true trans allies. And in her farewell that she can read in Outsports, she also gave me a challenge going forward of moving into this center seat. Quote, I am hopeful my friend, contributor, and co-host Carly Webb will continue to tell inspiring stories through her words at Outsports and use her powerful voice on the Outsports podcast, The Transporter Room. Captain Innes, I'm here to report to you that I shall continue in this endeavor, shall continue. And another thing that seems like it's going to continue is the, is the attack on transgender people in this country. It has gone from the sublime to the straight up ridiculous. Um, the most recent, Tennessee, their governor signing a bill just a day ago that basically brings back the Booga, booga, booga. The bathroom hysteria is back. The bathroom panic. Bill Lee signed two pieces of legislation that would put public schools and their district at risk of losing civil lawsuits that they let trans students or employees use multi-person bathrooms or locker rooms that don't reflect their gender at birth. And one way he's doing this is forcing every business in Tennessee to carry a sign that says, quote, This facility maintains a policy of allowing use of the restrooms by either biological sex, regardless of the designation on the restroom. Congratulations, Rocky Top. You have just outed every transgender Tennessean. Made made us a lot less safe there on dear old Rocky Top. Good to know. And also signed, of course, anti-trans student bathroom bill into law, which says that no Tennessee student at a public school, college, university can use uh, can use the bathroom like everybody else, but instead 
can use some designated room the school sets aside if they set it aside. Separate and unequal. You know, we, we did that in, the, in this country before. Didn't quite work, now did it? And the conversation, an online, media, an online magazine uh, that it centers around issues of higher academia, had an interesting article in their edition on May 18th that was titled Striking a Balance Between Fairness and Competition and the Rights of Transgender Athletes. You already know it's a dumpster fire with that title. It's Godzilla versus Mothra all over again. And it gives a lot of different examples if you read it. I mean, again, it has to mention Connecticut because, you know, you can't talk about trans athletes and not talk about those, those evil those evil kids in Connecticut who are both in college, by the way, and they're both someone's child and people keep demonizing them. But of course, you know how it is in our society. It's easier to demonize black transgender people when you're not killing them, that is. And once again, Terry Miller and Andrea Yearwood have to be every, has to be every transphobe whipping post. Leave those kids alone. Especially when these kids have gone on with their lives, they're trying to deal with the trauma that many of you have caused. And there's someone, I'd like to ask all these people who want to pick on trans kids, if they were attacked, if somebody like Breitbart was attacking your child, how would you respond? I want to know, I, I'm pretty sure that some of these people are parents. And of course, this article mentions Mac, Mac, if you continue to talk about Mac begs with this issue, that just shows where you're at. You're just a transphobe. Own that. His story has been well-documented. The facts have been well-documented. It's three years old. Let it go. Or at least learn the real story. But my favorite is still this idea where they have to talk about Serena Williams losing to a guy who was ranked 203rd when Serena was barely, a, was barely two or three years in her professional career herself. And they have to talk about well, a high school student won the 100 meters of the national meet, and he was faster than the, than the women's Olympic holder. You know what? Men don't run against women. Who cares? Transphobia and misogyny. They seem to go, get, go together like PB and J, and it's not nearly, and it's not tasty at all like PB and J. Leave this alone. This is ridiculous. And one last example, because, of course, you got to have one from Turf Island if we're doing this roundup. It's another kick in the teeth for female athletes. Former British Olympic swimmer Sharon Davies, your favorite transphobe with a mic and mine. Uh, BBC Sport, really? You're giving a turf a microphone. Give the pyromaniac the big lighter, please. Hitting out because Laurel Hubbard. New, Zealand weight, New Zealander weightlifter, a medalist at the World Championships back in 2017, will most likely has qualified for Tokyo. And depending on what weightlifting New Zealand says, they're going to send her to Tokyo. And of course, some people have their nose out of joint about the possibility that a trans woman will be competing in the Olympics. And of course, Sharon Davies talking about this in the Daily Fail. Leave If Laurel Hubbard goes to Tokyo, assuming we have a Tokyo, that's kind of touch and go right now. And personally, I don't think we should be going, but that's a different show for a different day. 
if Laurel goes, I'm going to be rooting for her. And I think that anybody who really loves sports would be too. She'd been eligible by every metric and every rule and every regulation of the International Weightlifting Federation, the IOC, and the World Anti-Doping Agency. This shouldn't even be a debate anymore. Okay, I'm off the soapbox now and I'm calm. No, I'm not. I'm ticked off. Leave Laurel alone. Leave Laurel Hubbard alone. All she's wanted to do is compete. She's competed by the rules, and everybody's been jumping on the has been jumping on her. Laurel has been at the middle of this for quite some time. Strength sports has been at the middle of this for quite some time, but also strength sports and its competitors from the timing out of lifts to protest to protest bad policies at a meet to strength athletes pulling together coming together to build more inclusion into their sport have also made a difference, made a dent, not in just in this issue, but in a lot of issues in regards to athletics and inclusion. And three people who are directly involved in that are joining us here in the transporter room. we got to beam them up from a lot of different locations, but we're going to bring in Brianna Diaz, Scott Percy, Val Scholl, Energize. Now, first, check and make sure your molecules are okay. I know this. Tra- I know transporter is still kind of a new technology. Still, work. I'm still. I'm still reading the owner's manual on it. But it's good to see you all. Welcome to the transporter room. Hi. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. First off, give us a give us like thirty seconds to a minute of who all of you are. Introduce yourself to our audience. Brianna, we'll start with you. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, um, my name is Brianna Diaz, and my pronouns are she and they. Um, I guess you could say I'm a queer Latinx person. Um, I currently reside in Richmond, Virginia, but I'm a native Texan, proud Dallas Texan. Um, and I'm here today in my capacity as co-director for Pool for, for, for Pride. Uh, we are a nonprofit that hosts fundraising events and community events uh, for LGBTQ nonprofits um, at the state and local level. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Well, any of y'all can jump in, but Val, go on ahead. Hi, everyone. My name is Val Shul. My pronouns are they, them. Um, today I'll be talking about um, what it's like to be a non-binary powerlifter, as well as um, some of the grants that are offered through um, the Strength for All, which was formerly known as um, the Women's Strength Coalition, um, in order to help get trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming strength athletes access to either equipment or, or memberships or a variety of um, resources that they may need in order to uh, either start or continue to train in strength sports. Now, one thing, Val, real quick before we go on, you're not only talking about resources in sports, you're talking about resources as a whole. Cole, you're a PhD student in agriculture and biological engineering at Purdue. Quickly, talk about that because you're into some groundbreaking work for our future as a as a species. Yeah, sure. I could 
talk about that as well. So I'm a fifth year PhD candidate uh, in the Department of Agriculture and Biological Engineering at Purdue University. And my research focuses on uh, water resources management uh, in agricultural systems and, and how that relates in terms of water. And so because it's in, in Indiana, we do a lot of corn and soybeans, but that those are you know major crops for the U.S. as a whole. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited about um, the direction that my research is going. And hopefully I'll be uh, all graduated and will be Dr. Shul by August. <laughs> well, hey, we're going to bring, hey, we want you back on the show after you get that doctorate. So it'll, it'll raise the average IQ of this show immensely. I can tell you that. <laughs> Scott Percy, you're up. Tell us about you because you've got um, an interesting ambition that you're trying to reach. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a pretty big goal ahead of me. Um, I'm 29 out of Baltimore, Maryland. I train at one of the best gyms on the East Coast, Exile. Um, if you're ever in town, we need to hit it up. Go for it. Um, my goal that I'm currently chasing is an 1,800 total, which I plan to attain before I go to the gay games uh, in a gym capacity. So it'll equate to a 650 squat, a 405 bench, and a uh, 750 to 760 deadlift. Well, one thing one thing you said that one of your goals is to be named the world's strongest trans man. <laughs> Thank you, Bree. <laughs> yeah, Bree's sending a little note here. You are so Scott strong. You're so strong, Scott. And I that's the one thing. Uh, that's the one thing I've gotten just getting getting to know these all these different groups and especially covering a lot of the covering some powerlifting stories. I'm you're I'm sure you're all familiar with the stories, the the continuing running battles between JC Cooper and USA powerlifting, this new MX category thingy, whatever that was supposed to be, all of those things. We'll be getting into that in a little bit later, but first. Just talking for all of you, because you all not only are active, are are your your competitors, and COVID took away a lot of opportunities in this last year, but now things are starting to open up. What have you been doing lately in terms of competition or getting yourself ready to get back in the lifting arena again? For me, I have a competition coming up at the end of July. Um, been training i've got about nine and a half weeks to go um covid really shot my international chances of going last year but i mean it was for the better i found out that uh someone that i actually looked up to is not who they turned out to be so <laughs> well, how about you how's that i mean I know school probably put a little bit of a dent into it as well. Yeah, right now I'm um, drafting up my dissertation. So uh, it's been a little difficult to get some time in and into the gym. But I'm, because of COVID and the pandemic, I was able to accumulate a small home gym. So as little breaks, I will work out in my studio apartment and uh, it's been oriented specifically for a barbell to fit in. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm still trying to make some some strides in that. Um, in terms of in terms of competition, um, I'm you're absolutely right in terms of waiting for school to be wrapped up. Um, so I would be the earliest that I would be interested in in competing again is after my <laughs> dissertation has been completed. So after August, I think it would be the, the earliest, but I also would want time per, to prepare properly. Um, so I'm thinking probably not until 2022. Rana, how about you? Yeah, I haven't been to a gym in 15 months. Um, <laughs> so, and I was like never great at powerlifting. I just really like it. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I always tell my friends, like I got a law degree, um, to keep myself out of jail and the strengths, what I use to like pick up and throw like <laughs> transphobes and like homophobe and any just bigot, you know? Um, so strength is, a. uh, I guess a weapon, <laughs> but yeah, I'm really amped to start going to the gym again in June. I'm like fully vaccinated. I've been really trying to wait as long as possible until I feel comfortable to return. Um, so I'm going back in June. I'll be starting at a new gym here in Richmond. Um, and yeah, I, I actually have only competed once in my life and it was when I first started powerlifting and it was a, sadly, it was a USAPL meet back in like 2014, um, in the 72 kilo class and I got third place. That's how awesome I am. And I don't know if I'll ever compete again. Uh, real talk. I think I'm really, uh, uncomfortable with all federations, uh, whether it's transphobia or like racism or just like the environment, like the toxic masculinity of it. Um, TBD, but I'm really excited to get back and like lifting again. I, I hope I remember how to squat. <laughs> well, not only are you getting back, you're giving back. I want to talk about like right now, the Pulver Pride Scholarship is good, program is going on. Okay. Give us the rundown on that. And also what that's meant to building, to dealing with the things you have just talked about, you know, making sport more, more inclusive. Taking the transphobia out, taking the racism out, opening, in a sense, sharing the platform, which <laughs> has been a mantra for the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, as you said, um, we are at Pool for Pride. Um, just some background for folks that are maybe like a little new or um, vaguely familiar with, with the name. Um, Pull for Pride is a program of uh, the Women's Strength Coalition, or WSC. Um, Pull for Pride has been around for about four years now. Uh, we started in 2015 or 2016. Um, and our main focus was, you know, hosting fundraising events across the country to raise money for, you know, local LGBTQ uh, organizations that directly serve um, LGBTQ folks. And so... Um, that was what our, a lot of our work was. And then, you know, JC Cooper joined as co-director with me in, in 2019, I believe, um, which is when all the USAPL transphobia just reared its ugliest of heads and USAPL decided to implement a full trans ban, uh, preventing trans folks from competing um, in the category and division consistent with their gender identity. Um, and from that stemmed all of our advocacy work, uh, where we, JC and I, and a bunch of our supporters, I mean, like Val, like all, all these folks um, that were affirming of trans folks uh, competing 
in safe and inclusive spaces and divisions came together and proposed to USAPL, you know, a, a, a trans inclusive policy um, and non-discrimination as well as other practices to ensure that meat spaces um, are, are safe for all. Um, unfortunately, our policy was voted down. And since then, USAPL has doubled down in their transphobia. And so um, that is a very quick recap. <laughs> but why, um, you know, we have the Share the Platform grant, uh, which is also a spin out of the Women's Strength Coalition and Pull for Pride. And, and is really, I think, um, the outcome of what we saw like as queer people, queer trans people in fitness spaces and as a direct result of like the BS that we experienced from USAPL and literally trying to like force trans folks out of fitness. Um, so JC and I uh, put our heads together and we, we thought, you know, like what is a way that we can address some barriers um, that prevent trans folks from accessing fitness? And we knew, you know, it's safety is one and another is finances. Like, participating in powerlifting is expensive. <laughs> like, like it's really expensive. I remember buying my first, like, how do you say it? Nike Romaleo shoes or whatever, like 250 bucks. A gym membership can be anywhere from 30 bucks to 200 bucks a month, depending on where you live. Um, federation fees, membership fees, and you don't get your refund if they ban you from competing <laughs> for being trans. Like, you know, so like it adds up. It's thousands of dollars for us to participate in a sport that we love that we absolutely love. And so JC and I wanted to build the grant, share the platform to one, um, provide direct um, resources to trans, gender non-conforming, non-binary and intersex athletes um, to, do, to pay for things like their gym membership fees or to pay for like meat dues or a powerlifting belt, like anything and everything. We wanted to be able to at least address that financial barrier to accessing um, strength sports. Um, and, and within Strength for All, you know, I mean, sorry, uh, within Share the Platform, we still do our advocacy work where we're still challenging um, powerlifting federations, where we're challenging the very gyms that we used to attend and plan on attending again, um, directly challenging, you know, what it means to create a safe, inclusive and affirming environment for trans plus folks. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of work and we're damn proud of it. <laughs> Well, I also want to ask Val and Scott, how has sport, especially strength sport, influenced and directed your life in line with what Brianna was talking about as far as making this thing inclusive and getting your place in that lifting arena? I mean, powerlifting to me is everything. I'm also a trans, trans athlete liaison for uh, RPS, which is Revolution Powerlifting Syndicate. So they're who I primarily lift with. Um, we have a direct policy that states, you know, that you can lift with us. You just have to fit within these uh, hormone boundaries. Like you, if you're a trans female, you have to have been transitioning for 18 months to two years with a doctor letter. Um, and for trans male, it's about uh, a year and a half. Val, how about you? I, I think that it was, um, I started powerlifting almost at the same time that I started uh, trying to unpack um, 
stuff in relation to my gender identity. And so I think powerlifting was great um, because I found actually a community here. It was right when I started graduate school, actually. I found a community here um, that was really accepting and that um, I, I was able to come out to. And um, they were really helpful in terms of trying to navigate being non-binary and uh, wanting to compete in the strength sport. I also compete in RPS um, and uh, RPS has allowed me to compete without a gender marker in the adaptive athlete category. And so that has been affirming for me and um, has allowed me to compete in a way that I feel reflects my gender identity. And um, one of the things though, is that um, here uh, at a university level, I think that it was a little easier because of a lot of non-discrimination statements that are already put into place. Um, and so at the same time, I know that there are folks who um, weren't necessarily the most comfortable in, in, in the gym setting here, even though you know, there, there, are, there are already a lot of very strong policies in place. I think that a lot of fitness spaces are very hyper-gendered and, and for people who don't necessarily adhere to uh, the gender binary, um, that can be very difficult and could be very stressful to try to navigate on your own. So I'm hoping that I could do that for um, online through just chatting or, you know, posting content, um, as well as through per a personal training aspect. How much do you think the, the whole struggle that JC Cooper has gone through has raised awareness within the strength sports community? I would say substantial, I mean, substantial impact, um, positively and negatively, right? Like the reactionary side, we are still seeing, um, you know, JC, I was talking about this thing. I made a post about this on my Instagram account, trying to connect how, you know, JC's fight for trans inclusion in USAPL, something that I remember back in 2019, folks were saying was just limited to, to USAPL, that it wasn't an issue, right? Like how that led all the way to her fight being cited by Senator Ted Cruz during the Judiciary Committee hearing on the Equality Act as literally a reason to oppose the Equality Act was because trans women would then infiltrate sports and would literally like would out deadlift cisgender women like had that conversation during a, a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the Equality Act like I think the, the impact of JC's advocacy is widespread and is absolutely informing, but both mobilizing folks to take action to oppose these horrific anti-trans bills at the state level, um, as well as the federal level now, um, calling in federations saying, how dare you, we demand better and more. Um, and we're also seeing that gross reaction that, you know, reactiveness that we always see whenever people fight for their rights um, and dignity. Balance, Scott, have you had to deal with this in competition? So I am very fortunate enough that I compete 
with the owner of RPS, um, Amelia Reichlein. So she is my meet director and my basically my boss. So I'm very fortunate enough to be able to compete with her. Um, my earliest competition was actually back in 2019, shortly after the whole thing with J.C. Cooper. So as far as what it was like beforehand, I have no history with it. I do know that afterwards, um, a lot of people are a lot more accepting, especially you know when it comes to trans folks being in a powerlifting event because we all know regardless if you're trans or cis, how hard a peaking or even a strength block is on the body. Like we've all taken the exact same road to get here. JC's story and her struggle has like affected me personally, because right when that was happening was when, and, and when I heard about it, I had to do some reflecting about coming out <laughs> in, in, in terms of uh, the sport. And so um, I reached out to the, the meet director and um, Matt Miller and uh, who uh, used to put on meets in, through RPS with uh, Iron Mafia. And, um, and everyone in the process was very kind because I, uh, I did see RPS's rules and I noticed that there was no rules for non-binary people. So I asked and he put me in touch with, with Gene, um, who used to be the president, um, but he's unfortunately passed away. And, um, and so then um, I had correspondence with, with Gene in terms of what I should do. And, uh, and the process was very straightforward, but the entire time I was very nervous about it. <laughs> um, and uh, the two meets that I have competed in through RPS as non-binary um, have been with with Iron Mafia. But I do worry um, as I uh, as they did meets in Indiana and Kentucky. Um, as I move away, um, what my competition will look like in, in, in a different state, um, whether or not there are, you know, RPS meets that may mean that I have to switch over to a different federation. And that's a process that I need to start over <laughs> again. Um, and it was, and I'm a little more confident now, but it is still nerve wracking to think about, or would it be worth, you know, traveling? Like these are things that I, I, I understand will happen. Um, but at the same time, I know that cis athletes never have to think about these things. Um, you know, you sign up for the meet and you're good to go. And there's so many additional loopholes that I think that um, unless you're trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming that you, I, it doesn't come to mind, right? So there's already these barriers in place um, that people don't even think about as being even being barriers. Well, in your mind, what do, for example, meet directors, officials, commissioners of leagues and conferences, what are some things that they need to know right out of the gate that they don't know? Because 
there's a lot they don't know. Yeah, I think that um, I, there are federations like RPS who do have trans liaisons um, who can help guide meet directors into answering, you know, some basic questions that they might not be familiar with um, in relation to trans athletes. Um, it's okay to, you know, not know everything. I, I think that that's something that should be important to know. Um, but it, 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 I think that having a basic understanding of like the processes involved um, with all kinds of athletes, right? Like if you have an adaptive athlete who wants to compete, you should know that process. If you have a trans athlete who wants to compete, you should know that process as well. Um, and I think that those are kind of in the realm of responsibilities that are required to run in, in a meet, particularly in the local level, because um, you have a lot of, you know, first time lifters. Um, and that might be like the where you may get people, um, you know, who don't necessarily have had a whole lot of experience in powerlifting. And so um, as a as meet director, I would hope that um, you're kind of also there as a as an introduction, right, to powerlifting. And so, so there's, I know that's a lot of responsibility, um, but it's something that should be done, especially if, you, you know, if you're working at, at a more local level meet um, and even in the higher levels as well. But I think that <laughs> there is a lot of pressure because these are, local meets are the ones where people are, are first being introduced to the sport and they can be scary, <laughs> uh, especially if you're a first time athlete. Um, the other thing too is that uh, I know that there are several states who that are that are ha having like non-binary gender markers that are uh, being allowed in 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 terms of like your driver's license, your birth certificates, and things like that. And so I think that um, maybe not meet directors, but I think something that a federation as a whole should look at is that there are some barriers in, in terms of, you know, getting gender markers um, in general. And so if someone is non-binary, um, but their state doesn't have a non-binary gender marker, it may be a, a good idea, right? Because sometimes meet directors also have the options of having different categories. So like, for example, like um, you could have, you know, sub-masters versus masters, or you could just have, you know, open and juniors. It, it really depends on, um, the federation, but there there is some leeway in terms of like category options, um, and so then if, if if there's the case that there is an athlete who is interested in competing and doesn't necessarily adhere to the gender binary, um, that category should be open um, in order to be able to ensure that this, the athlete has the space to to compete. So I think that that's something that I would I would like to see going forward is that. Um, maybe not a lot less, maybe like less uh, confusion on like, what do I do? And like thinking about ways to, to be proactive about um, how to include all athletes. Um, because like I said, you know, like it, it's not just about trans athletes. There's also intersections with, you know, a person being an adaptive athlete and, and trans um, being non-binary and trans, like there, there are a lot of intersections here that I think that um, we can, we can better address in the sport of powerlifting. Now, you probably heard that noise, and that means that 
We've got to take a little break to pay some bills. But when we come back, we're going to talk about bills. Not the, not the kind that you want to put back in the mailbox, but the kind that can affect the way you live and work and compete. The anti-trans tsunami. When we come back, I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb, and we've got Brianna Diaz, Val Scholl, and Scott Percy, some of the strongest people in the world, in with us. We're gonna we're talking about a little bit talking about a little bit of powerlifting. We're talking a, a little bit of athletes' rights, trans rights, and making sport more inclusive. Now, 33 states, over 120 pieces of legislation at the top of the show, talked about Tennessee, but there's the transport ban. There's the situation in Idaho, which recently went to a federal circuit court of appeals. And there's my favorite in Brianna's home state of Texas that has had 20 separate pieces of anti-trans legislation going on. Well, you know, everything's bigger in Texas, apparently. But the biggest one is what's called HB 1646, which would allow the state to not only arrest your doctor or your endocrinologist or whoever that provides that helps provide affirming care for young people, they can also have the have like Texas Child Protective Services come in and snatch you away from your home and call your parents child abusers. That's what the law says. I'm going to start with actually. I'm going to start with Scott on this one. As a person, you are a liaison to a sports federation on these issues. When you hear gut reaction, when you hear day after day, there seems to be a new bill every day. What's your gut reaction? It it's very disgusting. Put it simply, it's very disgusting because I've had to continue to go back and forth with so many people, people who I've called friends that just don't understand. You know, I feel like at the end of the day, it's a reason to give cis white men the an excuse to look inside of someone's pants. That's what some people are saying about. I mean, Brianna, as a Texan, because you say even though I'm from, even though I live in Richmond, Virginia, my heart, you say your heart is your heart is through and through from your heart is through and through from Abilene to the Alamo, all about Texas. What's your thoughts when you hear about this, or you talk to people back in the home state, and you're probably thinking, uh, "What are y'all doing?" 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the response I get a lot whenever I tell people I'm from Texas. They're like, "So what is what is the state legislator thinking? Like, why why do they always introduce the worst bills?" And my response is, "Well, because it's the experiment state. Everybody knows Texas pushes through these horrible bills because they have uh, federal courts that always seem to like approve their nonsense. Um, the Fifth Circuit is the worst. Uh, but yeah, what I what I hear and see is just in a I think it's unconscionable. I think it's absolutely unconscionable to have people try to legislate um, the criminalization of healthcare for for youth. Um, I think it is unsurprising, yet still disappointing and infuriating um, how often uh, trans folks are the target. Um, and scapegoat for what we deem, what, you know, what are typical like conservative, uh, very far right agendas. Um, and so, you know, yes, it's alarming. Texas is really trying to, you know, push forth a transphobic agenda, but, you know, I would be remiss to not uplift and, and, you know, name the amazing trans advocates and trans advocacy organizations on the ground in Texas doing everything they can to battle back. Um, these, these horrible pieces of legislation, including you know, the Texas Education Network of Texas, Equality Texas, ACLU Texas. Like there are folks on the ground, like trans folks, parents of trans youth that are showing up every day in Austin, making their voice heard, staying up all night in hearings and doing everything they can to defeat these horrible bills that will do absolutely nothing but harm and, you know, ultimately end in the death of like a lot of trans folks. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm absolutely disappointed and angered and frustrated that this seems to be a priority of the Texas legislature. It, it's not a problem. It's a solution in search of a problem that doesn't exist. Um, but I'm proud of the work that our folks are doing on the ground to defeat these these horrible bills. Yeah, that's one thing I've no to note about Texas, uh, especially since, in many ways, the spiritual mother of the trans right fight in Texas. Uh, passed away last year in Monica Roberts, but seeing the fight back. But I have a feeling Monica's spirit currently lives in a little 10-year-old girl named Kai Shapley. I do not like spending my free time asking adults to make good choices. That's one of the lines of 2021. Now, Val, one thing, though, I do want to touch on you with this one, especially because you compete and live in a state that's kind of, that in some ways is synonymous with in some ways, homophobia and transphobia, because it is the home state of your favorite former vice president and mine, Mike Pence. Um, for you, when you when you hear that when you when you hear this continuing wave, what reaction? I I just feel so so sad. Um, as you know, as an adult, I the first thing that I think of is just how hard it is, you know, to be a kid and to be a trans kid that just wants to, you know, compete in sport. It must be devastating. I, I honestly feel for the family and and the children who they just want to exist and they want to, you know, have fun just like every other kid. And so it's just so disheartening to see. I really, I really hope that um, we could be as adults, we can do the right thing and that we could fight for these kids to, you know, just simply exist and to have fun in sports um, and to be able to, you know, do simple things like use the restroom <laughs> that they are, that, that they are allowed to use, right? Like the bathroom that 
aligns with their gender identity and to just exist just like everyone else. Val, powerlifting, weightlifting. What's the difference here? Just break break it down for me. Break it down. Explain to me like I was five. And Scott, you get on this too. Break it down for me. <laughs> uh, so powerlifting focuses on the big three, which is going to be the squat, the bench, the deadlift. Um, Olympic weightlifting focuses on the clean and jerk, the snatch, and I believe the overhead press. I'm not entirely too sure because I don't watch it. So, hey, I just want to get that cleared up. But I want to get back to also what we're talking about. Val, I want to, want to get to start with you. Walk me through that first time that you got to not only compete, but compete Go, but compete with you, compete as you are with your name, people getting the pronouns right, right from the jump. What was it like to compete when everything was in line? It honestly was, was amazing. Uh, I remember it was July of 2019 and it was at the, the RPS Indiana state championships. And it was, it was great. I, uh, I would say it was one of my favorite like competitive meets. Um, and, uh, I was just so happy. Um, I was able to, you know, bench like the most that I've ever benched. I tried for five, a 500 pound squat. I missed it, but it was great to, <laughs> to attempt. Um, so I think that I probably would have not had such a good meet. Um, had it not been that it was, you know, like the first time that I was able to compete in a way that I felt most comfortable and I felt affirmed. So it was, it was amazing. Scott, what's it like to have a movie made out movie made on you? <laughs> um, very interesting to say the least. Um, as movies go, the first one, not too bad. I actually very enjoyed it and I still watch it. Every time somebody likes it, I continue to watch it again. So it's one of those continued things that, that keeps going. Well, and in, in fact, we're, we're playing a little bit of it right now, yeah. right here. We got uh, a little bit of it going right here. So that is my second attempt, no, my third attempt bench down at TFC um, 2018. Um, I took my first total as an unsanctioned meet is 1,005. It was, uh, I believe this is my 353 squat. And, uh, yep. So, needless to say, what was, the, what was it like to have a movie made on you? Uh, as movies go, it was good. Well, and also, and also, in a sense, that was a little bit of a part of the pro, and that was also a little bit of a part of the scholarship program for Brianna. And Brianna, I want to talk about how important has this been to give these up, to build these opportunities. For because 
coming from a background and loving us and also liking a sport that takes like that basically takes your your paycheck and says that's mine thank you to have people that give opportunities to say build gyms or join gyms or pay competition fees how important is that also in the context of these things we're talking about these issues of just access I, I mean, I would say it's it's incredibly important. Um, I can't personally think of another grant or mutual aid program that is putting money in the hands of trans folks to go do the thing they love. Um, you know, like I think it's I think it's really important what JC um, you know has inspired and what we've what we've designed together. Um, so folks are at least able to overcome one barrier uh, to strength sports. Um, and by, by being, I think, active in those spaces, by like finding community, building community, um, being a resource, um, if they so choose, and like advocating where they feel safe, um, I think, you know, will help us reach that culture and like narrative shift that we're all dreaming of, right? Like where like, like Val was identifying, like having folks just like learn and then know how to interact, know how to support folks in, in you know, either in a federation or in a gym space. Um, I can say for myself, like when I would show up in the gym and be the openly aggressively like queer, like gender confused person that I am, like it would bring folks to me and they would feel safe. And like, we built a little strength group and like, then we would do advocacy efforts inside and outside the gym together. Like, like that's how like JC and I came to be right. Like just that one interaction spurred like a movement. I, I feel like. So I, I think it's really important. Uh, like, and also like I met Val, like Val is on the committee with you, Carly. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. I met Val through this work. Like we are building community even virtually and Scott, like Scott is a recipient and Scott is such a badass who can squat in flat shoes. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do anything without heel shoes. I'm just like really jealous right now. Um, like this, like this is it. Like this is what we're doing. We're, we're creating the community. I think we've always wanted to see. And one thing since you mentioned it, yes, I am a part of the, of the scholarship committee for the Pole for Pride effort. Proud to be, I'm proud to be a piece of it because, and I think this is very important as far as inclusion goes. I would love to see other sports do it. I would love to see a lot of other sports, other sports make this move. In addition to seeing Scott like um, launch that eighteen hundred, I want my I want to bring my video camera to see that. When that happens, I want to be there for it. I can tell you that right now. So One thing, what was that? If you, so, if you want to see it in person, uh, you would have to come to Hong Kong next year. Hong, gay Games Hong Kong. Federation of the Gay Games, correct, yes. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll run that up the flagpole with Sid and Jim and our and our people over at SB Nation. We'll, we'll run that up the flagpole, see what we can do about that. But one thing, in the Far East this year, we may have a trans athlete. And I want to I go around the room, room. What would it be like if you're tuning in to NBC during the Summer Olympics. They're covering the weightlifting event. And next competitor up in the arena, Laurel Hubbard of New Zealand, the first 
trans athlete to compete in Olympic Games. What would that mean? What would that mean for you to see that? It'd be honestly amazing. Ah, uh, it's like, and also in strength sports, which is like the sport that I'm in, I would be so high. As a representation of part of my community, I would 100% cry. Brianna, how about you? I would be stupid celebrating. I think it's such an, like, I think it's just such an incredible thing. I'd be amped. I'd probably be texting Val. Let's be real. (laughs) I would probably be, like, DMing Val. Like, what's happening? We crack open some bubbly and just, like, and we mean, like, fizzy water, by the way. Um, Yeah, I think think it'd be an amazing marker um, in this work and worth celebrating. I would I'd be inclined to agree out Mitt. I would be watching and I would probably have that glass. I probably have that glass of something adult too. And, and toasting to the Laurel who has gone through a lot. And there, they, there's a possibility of adult bubbly pretty much, but there is a, I mean, there are nine potential at, there are nine trans athletes who potentially could be in Tokyo. Now, honestly, Laurel's gonna have Laurel's uh, is gonna have the best shot, but just to see that, even with all the all the guff that many trans athletes are taking and the hits that the kids are taking right now in this country, I think I think it's something the world needs to see. But since we got a few more minutes left, and after all, we are the transporter room, and now we talk about sports, we talk about transness. But we also talk about sci-fi geek culture or that sort of thing because myself and my former co-host, John Ennis, we are science fiction dorks. I have been one forever. Dawn is a walking Dawn was a walking Star Trek encyclopedia. And Brianna, you tell me you get in it. You're in it. You you we're gonna start with you. What hey, what do you groove to in terms of sci-fi, fantasy, video games, whatever? And what are you grooving to right now? Uh, right now at this moment, I am replaying all of Mass Effect, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition on my PlayStation 5. That game is queer, whether Bioware intended it or not to be. <laughs> no, so I'm replaying. Now, wait a minute. How'd you get a PS5? Nobody uh, has a PS5. How'd you get one? Listen, so I was I was in Texas and my partner and I had our computers. We had like three computers set up and every tab was on like whoever was selling and she was able to grab one. Uh, I was not. My computer see. timed out, but she got it. It was just see. luck. <laughs> see, 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 y'all cheated. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm still waiting on my Xbox, on my Xbox Series X edition. I'm still waiting. You can't get one. <laughs> thanks, thanks, speculators. Val Scott, how about you? What I mean, is there anything, anything sci-fi you're grooving to? Anything video gaming you're grooving to? Magic the Gathering, anything, D and D, whatever it is. If it's geeky, what are you getting in? Um, so I'm not really a big gamer, but I do have an Xbox. I do play uh Call of Duty every now and again. Um, I really enjoy driving games. Uh, so 
when I'm not speeding on the highway in my real car, I'm speeding on the highway online. Uh, so what, really so what, I'm just wondering what game you're grooving to right now. What you groove into? Because I like driving uh, games too. So what is it? Forza, not Forza. Um, uh, we'll call it burnout. I don't know what. Oh, the, you like burnout? Oh, I love Burnout. I burnout is my, burnout. I will tell you right now, Burnout's my jam. I have like every burn, I, I'll admit to having every Burnout. I just like the fact that you can just wreck cars and keep it moving, and there's all types of cool cars. So, yeah. So, Burnout is my groove. Val, how about you? Um, I, the only game I play is Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> to get my hey, steps no, in. Hey, everybody! Everybody's grooving. Hey, I hit Pokemon Go too. Looking for those. There's a Poke Stop everywhere. There's a gym where I like to ride my bike. The bike path that the bike path where I ride and train has like two Poke gyms and like there's Poke Stops everywhere. It seems along this trail. It was when. Man, it, Pokemon Go was everywhere. I, I I used to work in an office, and the office had Poke Stops in it. <laughs> that, that's uh, kind of wild. You you leave, yeah, you head out a few steps going down the corridor at work, and oh, you got a Bulbasaur you can catch right down the right down the hall. Yeah, I, how far how far are you in on Pokemon Go? I think I'm level twenty eight. Um, and I get into these like Pokemon battles with uh, some neighbors because I, I live in the downtown area and they're in a on a different you know team than me and uh, we constantly are switching up gyms and I've literally sat on a bench with a mask on by <laughs> <laughs> fighting them for like for like the uh, in order to like take over the gym. And so I think I spent like an hour and a half just sitting there fighting and it just would rotate between. <laughs> now I gotta know most evolved, most evolved character you have. Oh dang. I need to in your stable. <laughs> Who is the most evolved? What what is your what's the highest life form you've got oh, to tend into the fight? I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but give me a second and I can tell you. <laughs> it's probably some legendary Pokemon that I got from a raid. I'm, I'm, because I'm, I'm imagining like some some heavily armed 100 foot Pikachu or something. I mean, <laughs> well, while Val's looking for that though, Brianna, just a uh, quick notes on the scholarship. If let's say there's somebody listening to this who still wants to get in on it, still wants to get their wants to make an application, how can they do it? And what are the deadlines? Yes. Um, so yeah, our year two uh, grant applications for Share the Platform are live. Um, they went live three days ago and um, you can find the, the application on our Pull for Pride Instagram account um, as well as on our Pull for Pride 
website. I believe the application is the website, so you won't miss it. Um, happy to share links uh, at a later point, Carly, if you're able to share that out, but please do apply. Absolutely. Awesome. It's open and um, Google form applications will be open until the end of June. Um, so there's over a month to apply. Um, and once that closes, we will hold video interviews for the finalists with plans to announce uh, year two recipients in August. So please apply. Well, also, while we're at it, Val, Scott, also want to talk about, since we got the scholarship coming up, in your mind, why did this pro? Why is this program important? If somebody's on the fence, like, I don't know, I don't know if I should do this, why should they? It's a good opportunity to, one, make a community, but also to get money to be able to get swole. Like, the, I would say that the application is pretty straightforward. Um, if, you know, if you're really passionate about lifting or you, you want to get into it, you know, it doesn't hurt to try and apply and you uh, may be able to get a chance to, you know, break that, that economic barrier of entry to strength sports. And, uh, and you get to potentially get involved with, you know, other cool people like Brianna and JC and Scott and the other recipients of the uh, share the platform. Um, and, and join an awesome community of people who are interested in strength sports. Scott, how about you? I'm not sure if I should do this. Scott, Percy, why should I, why should I put in for this scholarship? What do you have to lose? You've got what? Five minutes of free time. You scroll on your phone. Why not sit and apply for it? One, you send in an application. It's just like a job. You get picked, you get picked. If not, okay, keep it moving. Well, I can tell you, for for all the people who may be on the fence about being on this or want to know, we're going to have the links. We're going to have the links with it with this recording. We're going to have the links on. We're going to have the links in Outsports so that people can get can get more info on the scholarship. And I can tell you right now, we're definitely going. I want, I'm going to say it right now. I want to bring you back with the winners. I want to do a show with the winners. I'm going to put this up right here. When you announce the winners, I want to bring them all on right here at the transporter room. We're beaming up the scholarship recipients. So mark your calendar, mark your calendar down. When you have that one, after, after you make the scholarship recipients, I want to bring them back here and give them their due. How about that? What was that? I love it. Yes. Well, hey, Brianna, Val, Scott, thank you for joining for joining me. Thank you for being in the transporter room. And also thank you for being in the transporter room. And if there's something you want to see or something you want to say about our show, we have a site on Facebook, and we have a site on Twitter. And I encourage you to use them. If you like our show, even if you have criticisms of our show, please, by all means, send them to us. We read them and we heed them. But just to note, if you're going to be a transphobic jerk about it, don't waste the bandwidth. 
we block transphobes in this in this dojo. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb for uh, for for Brianna Diaz for Val Scholl, for Scott Percy for all of us at the Transporter Room and all of us at Out Sports. Live long and prosper and study as she goes. I'll see you next week.